Thousands of years ago, the prophet Isaiah spoke these words. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Then it happened, after 400 years of silence, a child was born and laid in a manger. His name, Jesus. And he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. You will have the light that leads to life. Let there be light. Good morning, Riverside, and Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for our online worship gathering. And from wherever you're at, whether you're in your car or whether you're on your couch, we just want to invite you to join us in worship this morning. And as we sing, O Come, All You Faithful. O come, all ye everyone and, and welcome. Merry Christmas. I hope and pray that you have had a wonderful, a wonderful Christmas. I know this year Christmas is different for, for many of us. And if your plans and traditions have had to change this year, I just want you to know that, that you're not alone. And I want you to know that God knows, God sees, and God cares. The very same God who once spoke the, those words, let there be light, wants you to experience the light of His presence in every dark and every difficult time in your life. And the truth is, this year has been a dark time for, for so many, for so many different reasons. 
That's part of the reason we wanted to end this year, 2020, by remembering that Jesus is the light of the world, by remembering that God has always been about shining His light into dark spaces and places. And not just that, today I want us to end this year by remembering this truth, that God has placed His light in our hearts. God has placed His light inside of us, in our hearts. The other day I found this picture of me and my dad. It's one of my favorite photos of us back when we were both coaching my son's Little League t-ball team. Our plans this year to see our families for Christmas has changed. It's even changed over the last few days because of what's happening with the virus and the precautions that we needed to take as, as a family. Like all of you, we have not been exempt from having our lives affected and altered in different ways by, by this pandemic. But it's always good to go home for the holidays, and I'm excited that we're still going to be able to go home and to see our families. And to be honest, I'm excited to see to see my dad. I share this picture with you because in so many ways I've realized I'm becoming like my dad. Have you ever had that, that moment where you did something or you said something and then you thought, oh no, I'm turning into my parents? There were always those, those things that your parents said and did and, and you promised yourself that, that you would never say that, that you would never do that. And then one day, it just, it just happened. Something you said that they said that you said you would never say. Or, or maybe you walked by the mirror and you looked and what you saw was their reflection. It happens. And that may not be good news for some of us, but the reality is it happens. It happens because we become like who we're with. We become like who we spend time with over time. It's always our hope. It's always our hope that we will take on the best parts of our parents. And that's their hope as well. I know that because I want my kids to take on the best parts of me. But here's the reality. We are all becoming like someone. We all imitate someone. The only question is, who? You've probably seen this in your own life. You're a certain way with a certain person or a certain group of people, and then you're a different way with another person or another group of people. This is, this is just part of being human. It's, it's part of our human nature. We become like the people we are with. Who, whoever we spend time with, that's who we become like. This is why as parents, we're so concerned with who our children become friends with, because we know this is true that they are going to become like whoever they are with, and we will move heaven and earth to position our kids, our children, to find the right friends, the right kind of friends. This is why we have to be intentional about our own relationships. You know, there, there are people that we have to spend time with, people we go to work with, people we go to school with, and then there are people that we need to spend time with, people who feed our soul, who encourage us, and who help us become the kind of person we want to become. Choose the wrong friends, the wrong people to be around, and, and you know this, you'll find yourself in a very dark place very quickly. We are all becoming like someone. We all imitate someone. The only question is, is who? So many times we, we hear the message, especially at Christmas, you know, we hear things like, don't be the Grinch or, or don't be like a Scrooge. And it's all well and good. I love those movies. You know, we always hear who we're not supposed to be like, but it always leaves the question, who am I supposed to be like? Who am I supposed to imitate? And this is something that, 
that all of Scripture points to with with one unanimous answer. And, And the answer, it won't surprise you. But what may surprise you is how often we forget who it is we're called to imitate. And how often we forget how we become like the one we're called to imitate. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, I want to invite you to open up to Ephesians 5. Here, Paul is writing to a group of early Christians, and I want you to hear what he says. In Ephesians 5, verse 1, Paul writes these words, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Who are we called to imitate? God. Now that answer probably won't surprise you. We are to live our lives in a way that imitates God. Just like children imitate their parents, we're called to imitate our Heavenly Father. How? How do we do that? Well, to find the answer to that question, you have to go back at least one verse. And I want you to hear what Paul says right before this. Right before he says, imitate God, at the end of chapter 4, Paul writes these words. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. How do we imitate our Heavenly Father? One word, forgiveness. I've always loved what Anne Lamott once wrote about forgiveness. She says this, Earth is forgiveness school. And if you've lived on planet Earth very long, then you would probably agree. Nearly every day, we have a new opportunity to forgive. Paul says this, whenever you forgive others, here's what happens. You imitate God. This is how we imitate God. It's through the spiritual practice of forgiveness. And how do we live a life of forgiveness? How how did God forgive us? Paul reminds us, he says, hey, just take one look at Jesus. You go to verse 2 and Paul writes this, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Living a life of forgiveness, it's, it's living a life of loving others the way God has loved us. It's living a life of sacrificial love. It means Letting go of the hurt, the anger, the frustration, the annoyance, the the debt that's owed. It means laying all that down and letting all of that go with the feet of Jesus. This is what it means for us to imitate God, to imitate Christ. The problem is that for, for many of us, the totality of our Christian lives has been about this word, restraint. How many of us have defined and lived our Christianity this way? Believing that our calling is a calling of restraint. Don't do this. Don't do that. Hold back this desire. Hold in whatever it is that you want to say or you want to do. And I know I have. We think we have to live a life of restraint. Restraining ourselves from doing bad things so we can do enough good things to get to heaven. But the calling of the Christian life, the pursuit of the Christian life, is not one of restraint. That may be a starting point. That may be part of your journey. But the goal of following Jesus, it isn't to live a life of restraint. If that ever becomes the goal, if we hope to get better at doing less bad things through restraint, we may have missed the point. I don't believe that's the invitation of Jesus. That's not even good news. The point of the Christian life, the goal of the Christian life, is to follow the example of Christ. It's not not a life of restraint. It's a life of redeeming love. Living a life of love, living sacrificially over and over again for the benefit of others and the glory of God. All of that motivated by selfless love. Now that's, that's the goal. That's a worthy pursuit. That sounds like a life 
that follows the example of Christ. But I'll be honest, I've spent way more time living in holy restraint than I have pursuing a life of redeeming love. I've self-sacrificed with a tinge of resentment and bitterness, not redeeming love. And if that's you, I just want to remind you, you're on a journey. Let that be a guidepost along that way, along the way, but, but keep going. Don't let restraint be where you stop on your journey to become like Christ. Keep going and start pursuing a life of redeeming love. We often get stuck right here because we read things like what Paul says in the very next verse in verse 3. He says, let there be no sexual immorality or impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. We read these words and we think, okay, I have to do everything within my power to get better at not doing bad things. But that's not exactly what I think Paul is going for here. I think what he's trying to help us understand is this, that you can't live in the darkness and live in the light. You can't pretend to imitate God. You see, there were people in the church back then, like there are people in the church right now, who, who look like they're imitating God, but they're not. They're just pretending. And Paul wants to draw the distinction. There's a difference between imitating and pretending. He says this in the very next verse. Don't be fooled by these pretenders, by those who try to excuse their sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. In other words, don't be imitators of pretenders. Don't imitate those who pretend to follow God, but in reality you're living however they want to live, and then make excuses for their sin. In other words, choose wisely who you follow. We all follow people, and we should. You know, we need flesh and blood examples to follow. Paul even instructs people, people like his, his young friend and partner in ministry, Timothy. He said, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. But people aren't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. So choose to imitate people who choose to imitate God. Not people who pretend to follow God and then make excuses for their sin. There's a difference. Th those who truly seek to follow God realize their sin, repent of their sin without making excuses for their sin, and they keep on imitating God in all they do. This is, this is the reason why Paul says this in the very next verse. He says, don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. This, this is the gospel story. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was living in darkness, but now I'm walking in the light. We've said this before. Jesus didn't die so you could experience a change in behavior. He came so you could experience resurrection power. If the totality of your Christian life has been about becoming a better person, you may have missed the point. Jesus doesn't want you to do better. He wants you to become new. And this is not a call to perfection. It's an invitation to imitate Jesus. It's a call to live consistently in the light. 
Over these past few weeks, we've been tracing this idea of light all throughout the story of God. From the very beginning, when when God spoke and said, let there be light, to the day that Jesus of Nazareth stood in the temple courts in Jerusalem during the holiday season and declared, I am the light of the world. And it's during this time of year, during Christmas, that, that you can see lights everywhere that light up the night. They light up our Christmas trees, our houses, our yards. You know what? There are 16,000 Christmas lights on the tree in front of our building. We spend a lot of time looking at lights on the exterior. At the same time, many people during this time of year, many of us, spend time looking at Jesus. The one who said, I am the light of the world. But I wonder if it's not enough to look at the light. Right here, Paul says something that I believe changes everything for us. I don't know if you saw this, but he said this. He said, now now you have the light from the Lord, so live as people of light. Paul reminds us, who are we called to imitate? Jesus. How do we imitate Jesus? By living as people of light. So I think the question that you have to ask yourself is this. Are you an imitator or are you a pretender? Is your life filled with the light of Christ or are you pretending your life is filled with the light of Christ but you know there's more darkness than light living inside of you? I showed you a picture of me and my dad a few minutes ago. Uh, This is a picture of of me, my wife, and and our children, our family. We we took this picture on our annual spring break camping trip uh, this year. After we took this picture, we started the trip home, and, and it was only then, after having been disconnected from the world for an entire week, that we learned about the pandemic and that everything in the world was changing. When I look at my kids, I see, I see myself in them. I see my wife in them. And you know what? I pray that they will get the best of both of us. But most of all, I pray that they will only imitate us as we imitate Christ. What did Jesus do? How how do we imitate Jesus? Just take one look at the cross. Take one look at the cross and we're reminded of how Christ laid down his life sacrificially for me, for you. We sometimes think that Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the manger. But the truth is Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the cross. The only reason we celebrate the birth of a child in Bethlehem is because that child became a man and that man is our Messiah and he was crucified on Friday and buried in a a dark tomb for three days. But the grave couldn't hold him and on Sunday morning there was a new light that dawned. The only reason we celebrate Christmas is because of the resurrection and that light that broke through the darkness on that Sunday morning some 2,000 years ago now is living inside of you and me. And this is our calling. Our calling is to live as people of light, to imitate Christ in all that we do. And how do we do that? How do we live as people of light? How do we imitate Christ? Once again, take one look at the cross. In fact, today I want to invite you at the end of this message to take a moment and to share in communion, to reflect on the sacrifice of Christ at the cross Because it's at the cross, it's at the cross that we learn what redeeming love looks like. It's at the cross that we learn what it means to imitate Christ, 
to imitate the one who laid down his life for us. And when we, when we imitate Christ, when we lay down our lives for others, here's the good news. They get to see what the love of God looks like. And if that's true, if it's true that you become like who you're with, then I would suggest the only way you can become like Christ, the only possible way, is if you're with Jesus long enough to become like Jesus. That you spend enough time over time with him, reflecting on his sacrifice at the cross. And if we do, if we stay there long enough at the feet of the cross, then maybe, just maybe, we will become like the one we worship. But it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time over time to become. But the good news is that God has placed his light in our hearts. And it's my prayer that we would be people of light. People who allow the light of Christ to shine in us and through us. It's my prayer that God would do in us and through us. Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. For the benefit of his church, for the spread of his gospel, and for the glory of his great name. Church, if you would, let's pray. God, we want to come before you right now. And we want to thank you for the example that you have shown us of love and light at the cross. Thank you that at that cross, when Jesus willingly sacrificed his life, laid down his life for us, when that happened, everything changed. And I want to say thank you that that the darkness and the grave of that tomb couldn't hold them. Thank you that on Sunday morning, when dawn broke, a new light was shining. And I want to say thank you, God, for allowing that light to shine in our hearts. And today, Father, as we take a moment to to celebrate communion, to take a a small piece of bread and to take a a small cup of juice to remember the, the body and the blood of Jesus, Father, I pray that we would also remember as we take those things that you have given us not just the body of Christ, not just the blood of Christ. You have given us the light of Christ, and you have called us to live as people of light. So God, I pray that we would shine, and that we would shine for you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.